I call it truth is stranger than fiction because had these things not happened to me, I never would have believed it. Right. Um, so I call it my story from soup to nuts and am I nuts? Well, how would you determine that? Um, I was born in uh, 1951, which probably sounds really ancient to you. Um, how old are you, Darren? Me, I'm 25, 26 in December. I have a feeling that uh, you mm. were just a little younger than my youngest child. Well, um, I'm so glad you're into this because we we need the younger generation to come along. You know, this stuff mm. will only keep growing if we get other people who are as interested as I was at 20. And that, you know, yeah. so that's great. Yeah, um, it's important. But well, or else it just dies out because you know, as we all know, um, the world we're in has not led us to this you know we've had to find this through our own searches through our own needs the synagogues the churches there they all mean well right but more people have died in the name of god than any other thing so you begin to wonder like how they misinterpret <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, i grew yeah. up you know in a in, in a home where my parents were, you know, we were, I, I guess you'd say culturally Jewish, but my father was atheist and my mother was agnostic. And we prided ourselves on being too smart to fall for this kind of crap. <laughs> and um, I'm being intelligent, you know, scientific. And God never showed up at the Super Bowl, you know. It was like I grew up not believing that any, that, that actually... I grew up thinking that the things I now write and teach about and do were nonsense. And I grew up thinking that people like me were either deluded or just plain stupid, but I wasn't going to fall for that. So by, that's me in high school, I was a firm believer that, um, well, this was bunk. And at 16 years old, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. I don't know if you know what that is. Better if you don't. I, I but do. it's inflammatory <laughs> bowel disease. Mm, mm. So you do know. I know. It's a it, very, yeah. very debil it's debilitating. And at the time, me and my family didn't believe in anything but Western medicine. So we pursued medical treatment. And I was given all kinds of medication, but no one looked into any of my, you know, this was the 19, it was early, I guess the year 1960s now, by the time I was sick, it was like 1967. And nobody looked into any of this kind of thing, not diet, spirituality, forget it. And if you went to a shrink, you were admitting mental illness. I mean, it was just a different time. So we went to the doctors and they gave me everything except point me in the direction of what was going on in this little girl, you know. So I continued like that. And after a year, things were getting worse. And a friend of my dad's who was from Britain was visiting us and told me about a man in England, your country, that could heal people from clear across the ocean. And I was 
sick then for only a year. And I said, that is ridiculous. <laughs> and I loved this man. I really thought he was a great, I couldn't imagine why he would carry, believe such nonsense. Yeah. So yeah. I stayed with my, I stayed with my course of action. And by senior year, this poor little girl was hemorrhaging. And in order to stop the hemorrhaging, they had to rush me into surgery and give me blood transfusions. And then they infected me with hepatitis C through the blood. Yeah. So in the 1969 was a very tough year. And I came out of it with practically no colon. And at the time, an ileostomy bag, which was reversed, but only 15 years later, because I wouldn't go, you'll, you'll see. So now I'm in what I call stage one of my life, you know, just only Western medicine, only Western medicine. Um, when they, when I managed to survive the surgeries and get released after, well, actually at that time I married my high school boyfriend, <laughs> the hepatitis C started to make itself known. And eventually they said, oh, she has hepatitis have her bed rest for six months, it will heal itself. And every month I had blood tests with no change. So by like May of that year, they told my parents that I, they were gonna do a biopsy and see if it was this new form, this chronic form, that did not heal itself. And lo and behold, it was. And they told my parents to give money to research because if they did not come up with a cure, the rate at which the disease was attacking my healthy cells and scarring them was so rapid that I would not live another 10 years. That was like in 1970. And it finally occurred to me one night, actually my ex-husband said to me, your parents aren't telling you everything. This is very serious. You've got to do something. And it never occurred to me that I would pass, but I I had to figure a way out. And all of a sudden from seemingly out of nowhere came the memory of the man. They called him the man in the sanctuary. You have never heard of Mr. Harry Edwards? I haven't, no. Well, I love this man. He, his work saved my life. He's British, he's British and his, his, well, he's now, he's been in spirit since 1976, but his sanctuary still exists in Guildford Shear in Surrey. It's called Burroughs Lee is the name, and it's it's um there are other healers that work there, but I work with him now through what he did, but we'll get to that later. These are pictures of the great man. He would hold demonstrations at the Albert Hall, and it is said that he has is was the greatest spiritual healer to walk the earth since the days of Jesus. I mean, you could have people come up there that literally could not see or straighten their legs, and he was just the most kind and wonderful man. So anybody watching this that lives in the United Kingdom, if you don't know Mr. Harry Edwards, it's time you did. Um, and so what happened was, I didn't believe in it, but I had nothing to lose. And, you know, we had a song in the 60s, Bobby McGee, where it says, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose, you know? So um, that's kind of where I was. I didn't, it was not like a, a faith healing, like I believe, and I'm going to get well. Yeah, no, it was no. that I am desperate and I'll try anything. So my dad was going to England on business and he offered, we, 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 well, he had an office there. We, we called the sanctuary and they said, oh, just have us here, write us a letter and 
tell us of the trouble for which help is needed. I was floored. I mean, what? <laughs> right? Leather? These guys got to be, what are they smoking, you know? But it was the 60s and I was just starting to smoke. And I said, hey, who knows what's real anymore, right? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and opened my mind. And so my father hand delivered this letter on a Thursday. I had no idea what to expect. I had not read any books on this subject. I never had heard the term spiritual healing. But that Friday night, I had so much energy. I was flying. You know, and, and the symptoms of Crohn's is that you have pain in your belly. But the hep C, the only symptom was absolute exhaustion. It's like it, 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 you're not fighting. Your body's not fighting. So you don't turn jaundice. You don't have fever. It's just doing its thing. So you're just tired. I, I would get exhausted to get from the bedroom to the bathroom. And on this particular night, I kept walking around just feeling uplifted physically, emotionally. And I had this tingling feeling on my right side where the liver is, like pins and needles. And I kept telling my parents and everyone, you know, something's happening. <laughs> but of course, you know, what did we know? Two weeks later, I had to go for my monthly blood test and it had jumped a third of the way towards normal. This was the first change. So at this point, I'm dying to, I'm, I'm looking, I, I can't figure it out because something I could not see, feel, or touch was lifting me up in ways I had never felt in my whole life. No medicine, no vitamin B12 shot, nothing. It was like extraordinarily wonderful. And I was emotionally uplifted for the first time in many years. There was this little part in my heart that said, oh, maybe, you know, maybe there's more. And that was the awakening. I was 20. As the story goes on, um, I, you know, my dad threw me some books that the healer gave him and said, well, looks like an ordinary man to me. And I kept trying to figure out how does the energy reach me? I mean, how does it travel transatlantically? <laughs> yeah, indeed. And so I started reading his books and he wrote that he um, didn't work alone, that he worked with what he called spirit doctors who he said had been spirits in their last life. And now we're still concerned with healing of the sick and that the praise wasn't really due to him. He's like the messenger who imparts to them who needs the help, where they are, what the problem is. And then the healing is carried out, he would say, by the spirit doctors who can be anywhere at no time because there's no time or distance in the spirit world. Well, that explained it. If you could believe it, it's taken me close to 50 years to get off the fence and say, well, this, if this isn't it, then what the hell's going on here? Yeah, yeah. I'll show you evidence of that later. But this was 50 years ago. I, I'm 70, so I was 20. So just imagine, you know. Um, so at that point, I began to look everywhere to see some spirits. Of course, I didn't see anything, but I knew what I felt. And I would write to him. We didn't have internet. So you would write, I would write him through the snail mail every two weeks or three weeks, whenever, and let him know how things were. And he would always answer back and would usually say, 
We offer, we cannot offer any promises in advance, but we will look for a slow progressive healing. We're so glad to hear that you're making this improvement and on and on like that. And I went for another test and it was two thirds of the way towards normal. And then in, I remember it was, I guess it was December of that year. We're moving towards 1971 when I'll be 20. I'm still 19. And um, I went for a set of blood tests on a Monday. And I was really excited now because I'm reading the books and I'm having a rebirth of believing there really is an invisible world that not only exists, but will assist us. I mean, such mercy. I didn't know such, <laughs> such a thing could exist. So I now wanted these tests to be good for two reasons. I wanted to be well, but I didn't want all this to be a dream. You know? So I was like dying. <laughs> had the test on a Monday and on Friday I call and the doctor says we'll count your blessings you know it's, it's a really a miracle we, we can't really explain it but um the test looked very good guess he says guess the cortisone did its trick they put me on cortisone to try to suppress the the spreading of the disease yeah. but yeah. they always told me it would never put the defy they said if, if your disease is a fire burning in the bottom of a can the cortisone mm -hmm. puts that lid on but it's not yeah. like water. It won't kill the... No, it'll only suppress it. But he had to figure out some explanation. So this was when I had the first like really tangible proof. I sit down that night to write to Mr. Edwards to tell him about the healing. And that morning, I hadn't even finished my letter. You know, you're writing like this. We didn't use computer. And there was a letter in my mailbox from him, which said, dear friend, I feel that the healing has finally reached you. And this week you'll be having tests that will prove to you the good news that healing has taken place. And please, when this happens, will you write us to confirm such? And that's when it hit me that we were in some kind of connection here because his letter had to leave Britain before I even knew the results because it was in my mailbox on Saturday. I got the results on Friday. So I said, you know what? He knew. He knew. So there's something going on here. I don't know what it is, but I got to find out. So I called back the doctors and told them I wanted to get off the cortisone because cortisone is a bad drug to be put on. Aside from the fact that you get this big fat face and you break out all over it, you have terrible insomnia and mood swings. And he told me, young lady, <laughs> funny now because the doctors are all these kids like you and I'm the old lady but as a young lady if you get off the cortisone there's a 50 50 chance you'll relapse and if you relapse an 80 percent chance you're going to die do not get off the cortisone so I had to do it behind his back and my parents because they have flipped out but at this point I'm hip to the fact that there's not only spirits but there's I know here there's mediums you know people who could talk to them and I'm like, holy cow, I have a father in spirit. I've got it, you know. Well, he wasn't in spirit yet, no. But I, I mean, I, I needed to know. So I ended up in the classes of this woman. Have you ever heard of Jane Robertson, Seth? I have, but only very loosely. Well, most, many people have, because Seth was a spirit entity who would take over Jane's body. It was full transmediumship and would come through and speak to the students in what she called her ESP classes. They also wrote many books because Jane was a writer and had a great vocabulary and it gave Seth the ability to 
be very prolific. But what was really interesting is, and you can't help it, a medium to some way or another will influence, it, it, it's like Seth Jane, you know? Jane, I walked into Seth class for the first time and I expected candle lighting and chanting <laughs> and Jane sitting there chain smoking and drinking wine. Irreverent and, <laughs> and she would kick apart the structures and that was Seth. You know, he would kick apart the structures. And I think maybe the most important thing I ever learned from Seth was that I was part of the divine. He calls, oh, a typo right there. Look at that. <laughs> uh, is Seth's term for God is all that is. And I, I love the, the term because it means, um, you know, it's in everything. Um, and that we are each a part of the divine. And, and, and so he, my favorite Seth quote was love yourself, trust yourself and give yourself just honor. Because if you are a portion of God, then if you're going to kick yourself down, you're going to, you're, you're kicking to God in a sense, like, you know, put yourself down and then you, you don't allow God to come through you. Now, obviously we don't want to turn that into, I am God. <laughs> which people sometimes do and then you know we don't want them on our podcast yes. Yes, <laughs> but, no, that, that could be I, dangerous but it, yeah but if you're one of those people who like me who got crone so young you know it's hard on yourself it's because you don't understand that you want to be good so bad but you don't believe you're good and we all grow up at a time you know we're about six years old we've taken in a lot of faulty beliefs about who we are as well as what we Lord only knows what we may have brought from a past memory or life. So if you don't work on yourself, you can get to my age and still be really hard on yourself. But I'll and tell you what, it seems most people are. Well, I always, once I caught on to all this, I said my goal was to get old and jolly. And I wouldn't say I'm exactly there, but I will tell you that the other day, when I put some marrow bones in a pot of water to boil for my dog to cook the marrow for her, went in my room and started working on the slideshow, totally forgot until the alarm went off and the fire company came. And I, had, I laughed my ass off. I did not beat myself up for two days. That's progress. <laughs> That's great, yeah. Because I mean, when you can find humor in anything, your, your life will become much happier by default. But when you think it means you're bad, that you're intrinsically bad, it's hard to find the humor. When I first started teaching classes in Seth, after Jane stopped holding her classes, I taught classes in Greenwich Village. And I went to my father-in-law. I met my husband, who I've been with now for something like 40-something years, in the Seth classes. He was a student there, too. And I went into his father's office to make transcripts for my class. And the copy machine jammed. And I think I beat myself up for two days. And it finally hit me to say to myself, I'm a good person. Good people make mistakes. You know, it's like, it doesn't mean you're, but it, it, you work on yourself or you don't. And if you don't, you can be miserable at 70 as you were. I don't think I'll ever be as miserable as I was in 1960. No, good. And I, I know, I'm sure it can get, you know, worse as well as you get older and you inevitably begin to lose people um, in the family or close to you. And you start to blame yourself as a result. I mean, I've, I'm only young, but it's, but I you know I've lost both my dogs, and I struggle to. I always think you know I should have done more. I should have been there more, and it's difficult to really forgive yourself. I suppose in a way, 
Except what are we forgiving ourselves for, for being human? Exactly. Yeah. If you knew but, yeah. what you know after, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It is. You and you can knew, say that for any situation. And if you knew that something needed to be done, you would have done it. So you're really beating yourself up for not knowing what you couldn't have known. And I deal with this all the time because I deal with bereaved moms because our son crossed, we, we, our middle son passed of an overdose at 22 years old. So trust me, I know. But I also know that there's a bigger picture. And unless you took a gun to your kid's head, that bigger picture had more to do with what happened than you not being at that moment. You couldn't know whether it was your dog's time, but there's just too much. We have to take it for granted if our intentions are good. That that's, you know, there's going to be mess ups. We're human, damn it. So I wrote my first book all about the healing, but it was only called Healing from the Inside Out. I re-updated it in 2011, and I'm not going to drag you all through that story now, maybe another podcast of what I call my fall from grace, but I got so crazy into the Seth stuff. The one thing I didn't put here is the overriding, and it's been a very big new age belief, you create your own reality. Well, we do influence it. There's no question, but there's a big mystery, and it's bigger than us. And when little Miss Smarty Pants wrote this for the first time, she wasn't going to doctors because she believed that she could just do it all in her mind. And when one night I almost died in the bathroom from a blockage that I could have understood what was going on if I just would have had an x-ray, I was like blown away that I had gone from all the way from only Western medicine to I will not take Western medicine, only yeah. spiritual only holistic. Yeah. It was as stupid as this one because it's not either or. It's what you, whatever works and whatever you need. And so I remember thinking to myself when I was rushed into the hospital, something I thought could never happen again. I was, I was the healing teacher, God damn it. And I said, how did I ever get here? And in my head, I heard you were like a, a Christian scientist who you would say it was terrible to deny their child a blood transfusion. But you took this, these beliefs and you tried to turn the philosophy into the truth. And when a philosophy becomes the truth, watch out. Because you're saying everything else is not the truth. And, and you don't know what the truth is. You know, we, it, it's, it's always changing. Everything's in motion. And, the, and if you create your own reality does play a part, I know it does. Quantum physics is showing that the perceiver has a lot to do with the outcome. But it is not the only ingredient in the quantum suit. And we don't know all the other ingredients. We don't know what someone else is creating like your animal or my child. Do I create my child's life? Did, did I create this? Over? And you, it gets to the point where these ideas are so oversimplified that people with cancer feel guilty for their cancer. And not be right. So I had to update my book because I couldn't have it going out with that rah, rah, Cisco, just believe and you'll be fine. I say believe the best, but know that shit happens, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things happen beyond your control and they need treatments that are also beyond your control. Yeah, and you use them in conjunction with each other.
absolutely. And before the mystery, be humbled. Never get too cocky. It was always when I thought I just knew that I fell deep into a pit. And that's how I learn. You know, some people learn better from reading. I, I learn better from experience. But each time I pay, this, this time I paid with my life, you know. Oh, I paid. I almost paid with it twice. The first time I didn't know what I was doing. And the second time I didn't either. I just thought I did. So there you go. Anyway, Jerry and I, because of all the surgery that I did have, there's a lot of scar tissue in my fallopian tubes. And I never conceived. So we decided we would adopt our babies. We we didn't figure that this girl's body, which had so little intestine anyway, would necessarily be able to carry a baby for nine months. So we adopted three children at birth. And I'm just going to show you Danny because he's the one that crossed over. This was it when we met him for the first time in the hospital. That's Jerry and me and Danny. And he was 22 when he overdosed. Um, he was a loose cannon kid, you know, all his life. We worried about him from... 11 years old on, we had him in all kinds of programs. We did everything we could, but um, we found him, you know, one morning when he didn't come in to work and didn't answer his cell phone and he had crossed over. Um, the very next was that day, from, um, was that from his own decision to do so? It was accidental, but he had bought, he, it was a mixture of alcohol and prescription drugs. He was partying. He loved to party. And he, I think he had bought some drugs on the street that were strong than the actual prescription drugs. And he just didn't anticipate it. Certainly that's what no. he reports coming I, through. Um, I lost my 21-year-old cousin exactly the same way. She uh, took something that someone had given her and ended up hanging herself with a bathrobe. Well, that drug must have really depressed her. Yeah, yeah, it, it must have done. But it's so easily, it can so easily happen. And I know, as you were saying earlier, you know, that her father and, and her relations oh. are, are very much blaming, you know, not blaming themselves, but feeling the guilt. I so understand. Um, you know, look, I had a leg up on all this because by the time Danny crossed, I'd been going to mediums for years to connect with Mr. Edwards and my father, who both crossed over the same year in 1976. My father was only 53 and died of a heart attack. Mr. Edwards was in his 80s. But I would go out to this man named Glenn Dove, who's an exceptional medium on Long Island and a sweetheart, and I would go out and I would talk with Mr. Edwards and my father. And that's how I learned that Mr. Edwards was around me and I could continue his work in the way he did. So... I was so excited about that. I, I would keep going back, you know, but I'll tell you a great story for your listeners. Um, I would go out to Glenn's and I went out one week uh, and he said, do you have a father in spirit? This is when I first started going to him in 1999. And I said, yes. And he said, um, and who's Harry? And I said, well, I know who he is. And he said, well, he says, tell her I'm around and tell her she can do, you know, what I did. And I was so excited. I went home and started making lists of everybody I knew who I thought needed prayer healing. And then after about two weeks, I said, this is nuts. This is nothing. <laughs> oh, my God, in my mind. So I called up to get another appointment with Glenda. And they give me one. And I'm driving out to Long Island. And I literally was talking out loud in the car to my father, whose name is Herman, and to Harry, whose name is Harry. And I said, 
Herman and Harry. I said, you boys better show up today and let me know if I'm out of my mind or not. Because if I'm out of my mind, it's just motherhood, pottery. I am not sticking my neck out. So I sit down with the medium and he says, um, your father is here and Harry is here. And they, they want me to tell you, they took the ride out here with you today. And bottom line question, are you out of your mind? And that was the first that I really understood how clearly they hear us. I had no idea. So see, I have all this long before Danny, Danny had been to Glenda. He was a young man. He was 22. Both my sons had been to Glen. So I had a leg up. I knew that I would find my son in spirit. Of course, it's still the most devastating thing because I'm also a mammal. I'm the one who carried him and fed him. And naturally, you get attached to that flesh. But I was fortunate enough to know that the consciousness that animated that flesh did not die. Mm, nor did the I, memories and the personality. Not until. just the memories, I was going to connect up with him. And so, first thing here is for your friends, you can let them know, this is the prayer registry. I mean, I don't know if they go online or not, but it's, it's a free online calendar at my website. And each child's name is printed on their passing date. This is just a picture of it, so it won't work. But if you hit on their name, up will come whatever information the parent wants to give me. And I send out a notice every day to all the parents. And um, there's a whole setup for saying prayers, leaving messages. Uh, but anyone that wants their child's name, to, it wants their child included in the prayers, is completely free. And um, you can just go to Google and put in the prayer registry, and it will bring you, I'm sure, to these calendars. And down below, there's a little form to fill out. Or they can just contact me. I, it'll be, I'll, there'll be a thing with my website later. But what happened was I, after um, when Danny first passed, I didn't know what to do. So I sent out an email to everybody in my email box. I'd been working as a healer for years. So I just sent it to anybody. And I said, my son died of an overdose. Please send a prayer. And a week later, due to a cancellation, I was given an appointment at Glendo's. who did not know. We did not say why. I used to go so much. He just thought it was a regular Sherry visit. And of course, immediately he got the name Dan. He said, I'm getting Dan. And then he looked at me because he knew I had a son, Dan. And he went, is it Dan? And you can hear on the recording. I'm like, yes. <laughs> but um, Danny came through and talked. we talked about everything that happened, like, we just caught up on the week. But what was amazing is Glenn said, Danny said, Glenn said, did you, who set up the prayer list? And I said, well, I sent out an email and he says, well, Danny says to tell you, he could have been more down, but he about, you know, because he messed up and he, when he first realized he'd blown it, you know, he just cried and cried. And then my father, who never met any of the kids, came and held him and said, I can show you how to talk to Sherry. <laughs> He said, you know, he, he said, but then he's just tried to get in. He said these waves of prayer from people he said he didn't even know, which of course is true. And it just, it just made him, it just moved him so much further along. He just said, okay, I messed up, but I'm not going to mess up anymore. You know, I can turn this around. And so I started having 
regular visits to Glenn, as well as I started going to many mediums on what I call a ghost hunt, only because I wanted to see if Danny came through other mediums, if they were true mediums, if it would be same Danny. I mean, one medium gets to know your kids. So I'm always, I was always testing. And if it was a true medium, Danny was always funny, cracking jokes, you might hear a curse word or two, but totally on target with what happened, but not stuck in 2008. That's what really amazed me. As we started forming foundations in his name and things, and we'd go to medium things, and he'd come through, we'd be, thanks for the memorial, Dad, I really appreciate it. Like, he was going through time with us. I always thought it would be, remember when we went to Disneyland or something, but no. He was, and even Glenn said, I always worry if you come too often, what am I going to tell her? But then there's always something new. I go, yeah, because my life's always going into something new. So I wrote my book, Lost and Found. And it gives a lot of tips to parents on how the voice, how the messages come in so subtly. Like that still small voice in your head. Like, for example, I'm sure you've had the experience where you think of someone and 10 seconds later, they ring your phone. Okay, well, how did you do that? You know, did they send you a mental heads up first? Of course, we think it's just um, coincidence or we go, oh, what a coincidence, but this is what I think. I think that thought, it's like a big cosmic eye cloud and that we're spirits in bodies. So we're spirit incarnate and there are spirits out of bodies. So they're discarnate spirits, but we're all spirit. And on that level, thought is how they communicate. They don't use words. It's just, they send the image, they send the thought. And so those thoughts are there. So when, when somebody thinks about calling you, they thought about you. And that part of you, that spirit, like when you see that radar, you know, when you watch movies about a submarine and you see that. Yeah, you know, yeah, you see the radar. I feel going, like yeah. the spirit's out there going around and around, picking stuff up sending it in the home base but the catch is that by the time it gets through to our conscious mind it feels like a daydream we write it off as a daydream and we dismiss it or we dismiss it as coincidence when in fact it's much more and so danny started coming and talking to me right away but i i like like right after he passed you know people were showing up and there's all kinds of events but i would just slip into my room and sit down and beat myself up like I should have known, I should have called him. And in my head, in my own voice, not in his voice, but in my own voice, I hear, but mom, I didn't even know. How could you have known? And I go, well, that's right. But is this Danny or me? And then I thought, well, I'm beating myself up. It must be Danny. Because I'm not. Yeah, you're not going to try and yeah convince that's, yourself. You know, that's how yeah. you start deciphering. Like, is it yeah. more him? Is it more me? Because it, it comes in the same window that we imagine on, that inner mm. screen. And I, I swear we all get stuff. We just don't understand that we get it. So. Yes. Just little hints of intuition here and there. And I, I know that. A lot yeah. more than hints. You just don't know how guided we are. I remember, you know, one of the people in class asked Seth, well, you know, how do we know? You know, and he said, trust those little everyday personal innocuous impulses because your gut feeling is a god in you laughing and i think that we all get gut feelings sometimes it's paranoia but very often it's um you know we're picking up stuff 
we just have to learn to tune it in a little better. Mm, and it's often said, isn't it, that we're all intuitive, I suppose, and, and open to this kind of thing. It's just how far you develop you develop that ability and how aware you are of it. Because we're all spirits. We don't have to go out and buy a spirit. You know, we have one. We are one. We just have to learn how to... Yeah. We've not been taught. We've been taught how to diagram sentences in school, you know, and multiply and do computations. And we've proven we're smart enough to transplant hearts and put people in space but we haven't become wise enough to love each other to stop seeing this camouflage is what makes us different yeah and it, we're not wise enough yet as a species to show that or to accept that these phenomena actually do take place oh it's so true so um you know i'm I, like i'm all for education but i think we should have some classes in you know why are we alive or what's the purpose of human life you know I, because it's just well i'm preaching to the choir <laughs> anyway um then i started that you know i've always held meetings in my homes to host mediums this is another couple a, a lovely parents lost their daughter melissa so this was my apartment in manhattan where i would you know host and teach so my healing work kind of moved into the field of bereavement now the fun part ah uh, evp yes it's not rocket science okay in 2016 i heard that i started hearing about it i heard that this couple natalia and bottom svitnev were talking to their son through some mysterious means there in russia and i just thought well why don't i try you know why don't i see if i can do this um and i will tell you that it really isn't rocket science. It just isn't. And anybody that wants to learn how to do it, my website has a free download of a slideshow that has a split screen, one side for Macs, one side for PCs. I paid a lot of money to have this, have someone make this with me. And it's free as a download now. So anyone can then configure their computer with the right software. We pick right. only three software. I think it's important as well to understand how to do this this stuff kind of scientifically and properly because a lot of people are subject especially my age group are subject to it through youtube videos of so-called paranormal content oh, and things like that so... yeah, i mean that's not ghost yeah. hunter shows yeah yeah oh god and if you if you turn the sound if you slow the sound down enough it sounds really demonic i finally saw how hollywood scared the daylights out of me with the exorcist back in <laughs> when the exorcist came out for the first time i guess it was the early 70s and i now knew that there was such a thing as good spirits so i saw this movie i was scared to get up at night <laughs> i was afraid i'd see that girl in my bed with her head. i mean it just yeah the head spinning <laughs> yeah yeah. terrified me so you really that stuff's all ridiculous okay because the bottom line is this spirit cannot make sound in our reality but if we will give them sound and we don't know how they do this because we don't know how to do it they can use thought to turn sound into actual words i guess they do this for us because they know how badly we need that because we just don't trust those little thoughts and impulses that shoot through. Um, and this is not new. It's been around since like a hundred years. I mean, like the 1920s people, as soon as tape recorders came in, there was a man named Friedrich Jorgensen. He was a filmmaker. And he had gone out with an audio machine to record the sounds of birds 
in the background for a soundtrack. And when he came back to his studio and started playing back the sound, he heard human voices speaking through the words, speaking through the chips. <laughs> yeah. I think that was the beginning of realizing that this could be done. And over the years, certain people, really just a handful, worked on it. It was certainly not in the hands of lay people, but there's been so much loss due to suicide and overdose. There are more parents going to their kids' funerals. I mean, we've always had war and we've always had death of soldiers, but I think the, over, the opiate crisis and the depression crisis has put more people has doubled or quadrupled the amount of yeah. so parents are just and, and, yeah, and I, th I think it'll only go up especially in the last couple of years with the covid situation forcing people inside and, and away from each other oh it's really made people crazy no question yeah so what i learned was and the reason i say it's not rocket science and and this is for the older timers who say i can't do this i'm not computer technical any of you old guys like me or whatever Anyone who used to make mixtapes with cassettes, you know, we used to mix them, take the things we liked, we'd play them on our, you know, on our, on our record player. LPs, yeah. We'd make a mixtape. Basically, as the practitioner, that's all we really do. We just use different equipment. We play sound and we record it. We ask a question, we let the sound play and we record it. We just sit there and let it play. And then you ask another question. And then you shut the hell up because if you're talking, you'll drown out anything that comes through. Found out by experience. Mothers would be going, honey, it's mom. How are you? And then the second later, they'd be, because I nearly need to know because I love you so much. And of course, I understand that. But on the recording, I would start to hear an EVP and then the mom would. Then it's drowned out. Yeah. Oh, and I've just lost my, I've just lost my audio. This is what happens. For my readings, I use set human vocal gibberish as a sound source because human vocal gibberish when influenced by thought creates a more human sounding EVP. I have some I've made but I have tried everything from water running down the bathtub drain to scratching my finger on the computer by the mic. They will all work but they'll be harder to hear and some of them I have one, I didn't put it on here for this, but I used an electrical sound source and you clearly hear, I am Danny, but he sounds like a robot. It sounds like, I am Danny. And I would not want to send that to a mom. So if I'm doing a reading for a parent, I will use the human vocal gibberish. And I've made some of my own gibberish with my grandson counting to 20 when he was two. And running that through something called EVP maker that chops it into gibberish. So if I'm doing a reading for someone who lost a child, I'd rather use the, the younger gibberish because again, it takes on the intonation. They're not speaking through their mouths. They're influencing the sound. So whatever sound we provide will affect the kind of EVP you hear. So for a reading for a parent, I'm not gonna use anything that's iffy. And until your ear get trained, it can be iffy anyway. I mean, I have a son who's like, mom, I could hear that 10 different ways. How could you say that? So, you know, it's, it's, but anyway, here's an example of human vocal gibberish. I think it's female. You could hear that? Okay, it should just sound like gibberish. You shouldn't hear words. You should, Okay, so now this is a mom 
on a reading. I, I put the phone, I set up the phone on speaker by the input of the computer. So she can ask a question while we run this whole thing. So she's gonna say, are you in heaven? And I, I'll play it a couple of times. There's a, we are. Morning, uh, well, anyone that's there, are you in heaven? We are. The we are? Yeah. Um, this that, was group reading. That's why after. she said Gordon, and then she realized it was a group reading. So she said, or anyone that's there, are you in heaven? Gordon, so we got a we are, not I am, which is very cool. Um, okay. And was, was that was that that reply directly after the question? As in, I found kind of... it a few seconds after the question. You know, you you go through it. I mean, it looks like this, only it's got you know, you know where, it, and you I go through two seconds at a time. That's why I can just do a certain amount of readings because it's a very slow process finding the answers, and I don't charge, so. You can imagine, I had a list so long, I finally just abandoned it and said, you know what, when I feel I need to do one, I'm gonna do it. When I feel someone, re you know, I, I just let spirit guide me because otherwise I'm too overwhelmed. Um, okay, here's one I made using human vocal gibberish. You'll hear the gibberish, usually it plays the whole time we're making the recording. But right when I find an EVP, I often lower the sound just before it to isolate it. Because if you hear it in the midst of all the, it's really hard, like it'll be like, hi, I love you, mother. And you yeah. just, I love, so I, I'll, I'll quiet it right before. So that's why you but listen to this one. Danny, can you say, I love you? Did you hear, I love you, mom? Yeah, I, I can hear it, yeah. So that's, okay, so now here's another. Hey, Christian, can you hear me now? And I can. That's another mother, obviously. Again, now here's one. I'm very happy. Yeah, I, I could discern that. Yeah, the first one I, I struggled hearing the I can. Yeah, that could happen. And, you know, yeah. I didn't play it though, but this is my favorite and best. And I'll tell you why for two reasons. It's the clearest one. But Sonia Rinaldi, I don't know if you've heard of her. I've, uh, I've interviewed her. Yeah. She's the. She's my mentor and teacher and one of the nicest women in the world. She lives in Brazil and she's been doing this for 30 years. So she's really been wonderful. Anyway, she emailed me some Portuguese gibberish, a little boy named Lorenzo, his voice. And I wanted to know, could I use the Portuguese to get something in English? So first I'm gonna let you hear Lorenzo hear the gibberish. Now, this would be gibberish to us anyway, because we don't speak Portuguese, but it's Portuguese gibberish. So now I, you'll hear this. It says, you know, say something to me in English. Okay. Say something to me in English to let me know I should use this. Did you hear I speak in English? I heard I. Say Here, something say to me in English to let me know I should use this. I heard I speak and then a click. Try it again. Say something to me in English to let me know I should use this. Yeah, I heard I speak. I can't hear the English. Oh, I can just hear a, a loud click. 
It says, I, I don't know why that is. That's so weird. There's a place on here. It says, I speak in English. So that's so weird. Why would you say something to me in English to let me know I should use this? Well, I can hear I can hear something very faintly, but it might just be where it's playing through yeah, my audio. Say something to me in English to let me know I should use this. I speak in English. Well, anyway, you know, it just showed me that give them sound. So then I was told by a woman who taught me a lot, helped me get started, that a lot of the more scientific people in the field don't trust gibberish because maybe there was somehow a word left in there. So they prefer you do what's called a transform EVP, meaning it has no human vocal at all. And as I told you, I've tried many different things. I'm just gonna show you one example. I call this finger scratch. I just kind of scratch my finger over by the mic input of the computer. And so it sounds kind of like this. Well, this is, this to me sounds like my son's voice if he was whispering it. I hear, Mom, I'm happy. I can hear that. Yeah. Also scratching your damn finger on the computer. Now there's no trickery. There's no way. Like my son would be, well, how do you know it's not in the gym? You couldn't possibly get, Mom, I'm happy. I have a finger scratching. If conscious intelligence wasn't doing something, I don't know how to do it. So it's got to be spirit. Because all yeah, I'm doing again... Would, unless the only thing you could say is that it's just a massive coincidence, but then you're stretching it. Well, you keep doing as many once. as I've done. Yeah. I have a number of yeah. many thousands of them. That can't be a coincidence. I don't know. This says it's really a hassle, which could easily be Danny. I'm not sure what he was referring to. I, I, can, I could discern that, yeah. So again, I, I was just giving you examples of the fact that it doesn't, it's not dependent on gibberish. It's just dependent on sound. Um, but I didn't, because there's so many other things to show to you, I did not think that I should play more of those for today. But for anyone that's interested, this is my website where the prayer registry exists where that page exists. Actually, it now just says the EBP slideshow. So anybody that wants to join this or learn to work, try to work with this, um, they're all free. And if you can't do this yourself, any tech guy could do it in 15 minutes. I mean, it's not hard to do this, but I'm not great at that technical end myself. So we tried to make it very user-friendly, but tech guys have done so. So we're going to move on to something else. Meet Lily. Sonia Rinaldi says Lily is the medium because this phenomenon started happening and I don't know for how many years it's gone on because until I had Lily, nobody really let me know. But Lily started barking at night. I have two places, one in Manhattan. This is my Manhattan bedroom and one up here in the townhouse, which is where I am now. This is the other bedroom and Lily would be start barking and I would put on the video camera and I'm going to just turn my volume for a minute down because I talk about it. Okay, so watch this. That's a lot of orbs.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Could you be the prayer registry children? So did you see all those awards flying around? I, I did, I did. And in the city as well. Only this was a really weird night because she's barking and barking and I didn't see much of anything. Then I put on the video and I see some orbs and then I see this really big light just come flipping across it like a ribbon and I'm going to show you pictures of it still. I, I have no, I think it was a lot of orbs together. Just keep your eye. What is it, Nitty? It starts here and then it. What? See that thing? I did. I don't know what the hell that is. You hear me go. Like a little twig going across the screen. It just, well, for, you know, if I was outdoors, I think it was something outdoors, but you see little bits of orbs. It started there. Yeah. And, then yeah. and then it just came, it flipped up over here. And, she and, that, and now yeah. I took pictures of it. And if you look at this picture here, it looks like a whole lot of orbs. It does. Isn't it wouldn't it? be it wouldn't be any kind of a uh, just a loose hair floating in front of the camera or, or from your little puppy or it's possible but um because to, to me I'd, I'd say that i'm more inclined to see that as a hair just the way it, the structure of it you know what i really couldn't tell you uh, you know i i know that these are orbs and it, it you know it happens it happened that you know it, it happens in this type of environment but you're right it could have been a hair blue Thank you, but thank you, thank you. I just went nuts this night because I couldn't believe this. It was like, so if it was outdoors, I think it was pollen. <laughs> but we're in the bedroom. Thank you, thank you. Thank and Lily's barking her little head off. Was that fan on? Was that fan switched on on, the, on your left? No, well, I, you know what? It might have been, but I don't think so because I, when I use the fan, I put it directly on me. That's the bed. And I put it directly on me. Plus, these guys... Yeah, because it only it only starts to to come up as soon as you get down to, this to a certain level. That way, yeah, yeah. You know, again, if it was something blowing out of the fan, it would be going. It'd be going that one way. way. Mm. And I can show you. I'd like to look. Take a look. Now you're going to just see some of the orbs that I take still shots of. I mean, take and now they're starting to come in in color, and they're gorgeous. You know, I never had anything. This is in the bathroom right next to that bedroom because they're always very active in that particular bathroom take a look at this one i mean that's not a hair <laughs> i mean you know that might have been i you know as i said we can't be i can't be sure look mm. at some of these that's the only the only thing I, I struggle with with orbs is that there is so many different things it could be I look at um, just look at these. yeah i mean, I mean there, there's all sorts of different colors as well look at the colors and this is Lily. She's the one who tells me they're there. They're always around her. I took this one in motion and I, I took three still shots to see. It just came zoop, like zooping in on her. Mm. They're always and I mean, the, the light in the room is all, all seems to be the same. And yet you've got different colors of orbs, which, uh, which usually the lights are light. out. Usually it's after yeah. I put the lights out that she starts barking. So it's the light from my camera. But look at the colors. I mean, they're just extraordinary. They're different from each other like this has like green and orange but then this is like pinkish and orange it's kind of a sunset know? color yeah oh and they're so pretty i'm like well what in the sand look all i know is she starts barking i will put it on it'll happen every night only not every night do i get as profuse a show i might just get a handful but then i'll i'll go through my camera and, and there'll always be a few beauties this might have just been two nights ago 
They're just letting me know they're there. I don't even know what the significance is. A friend of mine who photographs orbs a lot, we did an EVP reading for her a few years ago and, and she asked, are you an orb? And he said, I'm not an orb. We put them there to show you we're present. So, I mean, it's obviously something they can do, but they don't want to be defined as being one of these. So they want to be... Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's what they're saying to me. Some nights she'll bark and it'll just be one or two. And I think they're just saying, we're here, sir. And I go, thank you. But then I don't know, your, your listeners might want to know that there's an absolutely wonderful, have you heard of Wendy and Victor Zamet? Uh, yes. Yeah. With the Zamet report. Right. The Afterlife mm -hmm. Friday report. Well, if people know, there's also every Sunday we have a global meeting. And it's a little late for people in Britain, but now it's getting a little earlier because the time changes. But pe we, people share, there's a different presenter every week. And one week we had a medium on called Isabel Duchenne. And I knew that Sonia Rinaldi was filming images, was recording images, not just, not just. Um, That's right, yeah. Um, in, um, instrumental trans communication. ITC, yep. yeah. So I heard about ITC and I went on the global I mean, I'd seen Sonia's work, I was astounded. And on the global, Isabelle Duchenne, the medium for Belgium said that you could get trans images by filming the light reflection on your own glasses. So I said, let's give it a shot. This is the first one I ever got. Now you have to expand it. There's, there's a poodle in there. I think that's Genevieve, but I'm not sure she was one of my dogs. This was the first one that I could see or anyone else could see. And I was absolutely shocked. I mean, it just shocked me. Um, and then I, so I went on experimenting first with glasses and let's see this one. This is very interesting. I did this during the global zoom. Um, I just let the light off the zoom come on in my glasses and you know, there, there's a face in here, right? I mean, do you see a face? I, I, can, I, can, I can, I can see, yeah. It's clearer in the second image. Yeah, well, you know, some are clear, you know, Look at that guy. And, and I don't know if it's the same person and just different views. But again, I don't know how to do this. So you see, that's how we know spirits working with us. Because if you actually get an image and you don't know how to put an image on a glass, how do you get there? Yeah. But so, the only possibility would be that it, it just happened to be a reflection of something that that happens to mimic kind of a, a i mean it is quite i mean you could, i could see why you, it why people would say it is a face but it is quite vague to me this well, well I, okay maybe you'll see this better but well, i don't I, know you see this face yeah. oh I, I can see that yeah that's yeah. got quite defined nose yeah and he's kind of and there's one here too you see the eye but right well they're hard you know it takes a little time and i'm not telling you sonia's will knock your socks off but these were ones done on, on glasses, and this was the first one I ever got, and I was just reflecting in the light. There was no Zoom, there was nothing, there was no other faces that could have possibly found its way to that. Then I learned that Sonia also uses steam. So I tried that. And, and you know, this is not my main focus. My main focus is spiritual healing and, and the EVP and the prayer registry, but mm. it, it all comes to together. Try. And I got oh, this that, one. That is clear. That is very and clear. And I love this. 
but you know, it could be even clearer, but it's, it's pretty interesting. And now here's, I don't know if you'll see, can you see the face inside the circle? It's a woman's face, it's here bigger. But what's really interesting is, and it's kind of like that thing, magic eye, that if you shift your eye here, it could be a face looking down this way. After a while, they're like piled one on top of the other. It, it's very interesting. And just to show you another thing people can try for the fun of it, you can use reflective glass. This one is easier to see from far away. There's a face here. There's part of a face here. There's like an, it looks like an Egyptian sphinx. I, I can see the, um, the third and second image are very clear. I can see the first, but it's, you'd have to work at it to really Yeah, well, it. you do really get it. It's like a woman's face looking yeah, this direction. You can see it, yeah. And these are just called reflective, reflective cloth. So you put your video camera facing the cloth. I'm standing here holding the cloth and you gently move it. And then when you go back through it, you look for actual images again. How do we, we don't know how, I can't do that. I'm just holding the cloth. I'm just the guy behind the curtain, you know? So this is all things that spirit does to show us that they're present, but we don't need to go to that extent. You know, it's just that it's all the rage now, EVP and ITC, because people want something they can put their hands on. Um, these are all my books to date. This is a free download. At my website, it might be a very good thing for your friends. It's the Grieving Parents Handbook. And it was not just written by me. It was written by me and a whole bunch of bereaved moms who just wanted to lend a hand. Um, we talk about like three main things, like the three fundamental questions we all go through, like why me? Was there something I could have done to prevent this? And how am I going to live with this? And these moms come on with all their hearts, you know, and say, well, I tried this, or don't let anybody tell you that, or how they dealt with it. And it's just a helpful book, and it's, you can download the PDF. Um, and then this is Danny's book. And this is a really nice Christmas present, but it's pricey because, although I don't make a dime, because we wanted color photos and a hardcover, so... <laughs> it costs $17 to print and it's $20 to buy, but it's a coffee table book of quotes on life after death. And then it has commentary from me as to why that quote has meaning and you know, what it's been. And it has original photos made by my closest friend since we were in middle school who's a, who did the artwork. So that's the stuff I work on. And that's Lily and I want to say thank you for hearing our story and my story. And Let's stop sharing. And there we go. And um, what can I answer for you? What can I? Well, it's, it's great that you took the time to really make a presentation, you know, of, of good length for just, just for this this episode. I appreciate that certainly. It's interesting. I've I've did speak with Sonia quite a while ago, um, and some of the images that she showed in regards to ITC are beyond interpretation you know they're, they're clear as day clear as day they look like photographs they do and i mean even some of the evps that she was showing me as well are not as clear but are very easily heard you know what i give her so much credit because she's trying to find evps for people in english who are english speaking when she's native portuguese speaking i would never try to do this in another language because 
oh, she's so adorable. Like if she's going to say the word deceased, she'll say deceased because that's just how the, you know. So I think that sometimes she clips off words that I wish I was there to just say, no, stop it here because this is not, but she's working in a foreign language. It's got to be a really hard task because she might not hear it as we would hear it. But um, I'm sure if she's doing them in her languages, you know, she would know exactly, you know, it, it's hard, you know, because um, it's, it takes a lot of li listening to recordings and viewing recordings to find images. But Im the images are so gorgeous and they're so lifelike and what they do for a bereaved parent. Mm. And I mean, you, you can't even deny um, Sonia's good motivations or good intentions for doing it. You know, such a lovely lady. Even just a short period of talking with her, you can tell her heart's really there. I adore Sonia. She doesn't charge for her work. She has the heart of gold and she is just devoted to serving spirit and other people. She, you know, she didn't have children in this life and she has so much, so much room for bereaved parents. You know, she works for them tirelessly. I, I just love her. We're dear friends. We're, we're both, well, maybe I'm not allowed to give out her age, but we're the same age in February. We'll both turn another year and um, we're 70 now, so you can guess. But we're just, it's so interesting because, you know, she grew up in Brazil and I grew up in the States, but we stay in touch and I, I just love her. I, it's nice. You know, yeah. the fact that people would question some of these really true people who serve, you know, Helen Duncan was a, oh God, we didn't even talk about material mediumship. I am, th this is a level of mediumship that blows you right out of the water. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to be in two seances in my life with material mediums, where I not only had a hand that was materialized that massaged my hand, but my son was able to talk to me through what's called independent direct voice and kiss me on the top of the head. I couldn't see him, it was pitch dark, but everyone in the room heard the kiss. These material mediums have enough of this substance called ectoplasm that's able to Im Im come out of their bodies, don't ask me how, and allow for a voice box to be created so that the spirits can speak directly. And of course, if you've heard of Leslie Flint, who's also British, there are, hundreds of tapes of independent direct voice that were made by a Mr. Woods and a Ms. Green who made these cassettes of all his seances, people coming through in their own voices. It, it's just astounding. I knew of this, I dread of this. I never thought I'd be fortunate enough to ever experience it with my own ears. And my... When this hand came floating over in this room, it wasn't attached to any string. I was not, this was not an out of body experience subject to interpretation. This was an in the body, totally awake, totally conscious, totally sober human being. And in the room, we had this red light so we could see. And the medium Gary Mannion is behind this in this like tent. And out from the tent comes this white, beautiful hand. And the group leader said, Sherry, don't grab it, let it take you. So I just stood up and put my hand out. And this hand was warm, wet, and so loving that if a hand could make love to a hand, let me tell you, I have never been caressed like this. It was like either my son or 
Mr. Edwards or someone who loves me very much in spirit saying, I love through healing. Now, I know I experienced that. So the material mediums are amazing. And there was one in Britain called named Helen Duncan. And one night, because when the, when the ectoplasm is exited your body, it needs for whatever reasons to be in dark. And police raided her apartment and flew open the doors and put on the lights. And it basically led to her passing a few days later. And she came through a medium years later and someone in the room said, but Helen, why didn't your guides warn you? And she said, well, they did kind of tell me there might be trouble, but you know, people were coming to this seance who had paid and I, I didn't want to let anyone down. That's the quality of some of these human beings like Sonia who get called frauds. And the stuff that people come up with to find any other explanation for these things. Mr. Edwards once submitted 10,000 case histories of extraordinary healings like my own and was basically told, I think, by the church and the medical profession that it was inconclusive, that it, it didn't prove anything. So what are you going to do? <laughs> That's it. I mean, you're dealing with two well-formed kind of philosophies of hardcore material science and dogmatic religion, neither of which will budge in the face of any new evidence. And I think the problem, the only problem with physical or material mediumship that you can understand the scepticism is that it has been plagued with an awful lot of frauds in the past. I mean, I can't remember the case who was found with cheese cloth as ectoplasm. And I know that Leonardo, Leonora Piper or someone was questioned quite a lot. It's always going to be questioned and there's always going to be some frauds. And we've all seen doctors we wished we hadn't gone to or lawyers or, I mean, you know, it's in every profession where there's human nature. But Victor and Wendy Zamet have sat in over 200 seances with David Thompson. He's the medium where Danny came through in direct voice and said, Mom, I'm sorry. He didn't say, Mom, you know, that was a terrible illness I had. You know, how my little car accident, you know, he... It, 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 it's not random. It's not, you know, and I said, oh, honey, it's okay. I've forgiven you. And he said, yes, mom, but I hurt a lot of people with my stupid decision. And I think he just meant to get so high, not to, because he's also said it wasn't what he consciously was planning to do. Although he admits there was at times an ambivalence about life because he didn't feel he could really make it here is what he said. But I understand the skepticism. Look, I'm the one I said who wouldn't even allow themselves to, you know, contact the healer until they were do or die, you know. But my thing is to say to people, just open your mind a little bit. Yeah. And there are very compelling kind of even even investigation studies that were done. For instance, have you heard of the wax hands? Wax hands? I think was it wax or something like that. And what 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 it was, it was a group of scientists given you know early on in i think it was the 20th century very early in the 20th or late 19th so the science wasn't really up to the quality it is now but even so and they had a um a tub of molten wax and without prior knowledge one of the scientists put some form of chemical in it to turn it blue because they'd heard of these these hands being materialized um and cast into wax and he thought <laughs> well if if these things are being made kind of in in the back of out of out of camera shot and then brought in fraudulently if i put this blue dye in here and the hand comes out blue we'll know that it hasn't been tampered with and indeed you know um 
they witnessed this hand going into this molten wax and it came out blue with the dyed wax so that was the control was met and um you know it was witnessed by all these scientists and it was completely um ineffable it was it wasn't able to be explained in any normal terms and that's a good example i can't remember what it's called specifically um but it was in a it was given as an example in the netflix series surviving death or, or yeah mm-hmm. if, if you know that mm-hmm. leslie keen and then there also was mentioned i can't remember the guy's name but an english physical medium who holds seances and i got in contact with him and i, I plan to go to one of his seances one day if i can oh they're it's really, really out of interest fun. it's so mm. much fun um mm. Mm. And of course, you've got the skull experiments as well. That's what I was going to say. It was in the tip of my mm. tongue. The skull experiments are phenomenal. They put a film in the camera, and the next day they just take the film out, and there'd be writing and words. And spirit can do many things. They say their purpose in much of this coming through, even spiritual healing, Mr. Edwards would say there was a greater purpose, and that was to show mankind that there is a realm of spirit and that we are also spirit in our lives now and that we are going to that realm we all know we're going to pass and the question isn't whether we're going or not it's what kind of shape are we going to be in when we get there because everything we do here affects what our next step will be and there's no free lunch so you want you know a lot of people are like well i got away with it so who cares well you may get away with it here and justice may not always be served here but I think when you get to the other side, you do a life review. And it's not that we're told that there's purgatory or hell, but that when you do your life review and you step back, you will, if you cause a lot of harm, you will experience it from the perspective of the person you did the harm to. And in essence, you will, you're doing to yourself whatever you're doing of harm to another. And so it's do no harm. Um, if you can, because um, that's just the right thing to do. <laughs> but, but also, what I am told is the only thing you take with you, your personality, what you carry in your heart and your soul. And so um, they say, you know, oh, Mr. Jones died. How much, did, what did he leave? And they go, everything. <laughs> you know, so we take with us what that spiritual development. And so I, I say to people, just open your mind. I'm done trying to convince people. When I was young, I wanted people to believe so badly. I now know you can't make anyone believe. You can share what your experience has been and leave it up to them. But I ask people, just open your mind because it's no way to live. If you don't understand there's a bigger picture and you just take one isolated life, like your friends losing their son or your cousin, I'm sure he's, it doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense. And it may not make sense because you may not know what the whole big picture is, but just knowing there's a bigger picture in which things may have some meaning, in which there's, this sun is not over, in which he will go on to face whatever mistakes he made and, and grow. If I were absolutely wrong, I'd still rather believe this way. You know, you know of Eben Alexander? Well, One of his quotes that I love, he says, heaven makes us human. Without a knowledge of the greater geography of where we came from and where we're going when we leave this life, we are literally lost. And he says, like, that knowledge is like that link, he says, to to the, he says, that makes life not only bearable, but joyous. 
And I have found that to be true because I was just terrified as a kid of everything. Mm. Because without that knowledge, everything seems meaningless. Well, not only, it can either be meaningless or it can be terrifying. Take your choice. You know, Seth once said to us, and I love this, because I, I came to realize this whole thing about not believing I was good, just not believing intrinsically that this human being was a good thing. And he said to us, if I grew up in the times when any of you, you know, that you've grown up in, he said, I would be, I would understand, I understand your dilemma. He said, you grew up with two basic theories. One was the religious one, which is that God made everything perfect. He made the Garden of Eden perfect. Everything was perfect till he made Adam and Eve. They disobeyed. They took the apple. And since then, everything's been deteriorating because man is flawed. Actually, woman, right? Because it was a <laughs> woman. And it's a setup anyway, because God gave us curiosity and the desire for wisdom. And the snake told us that that's the apple of wisdom. So, you know, right there, you're set up for failure. But that's the religious one. The other is a scientific one. Big bang theory. You came into existence for no reason, and you will go out of existence for the same non-reason. And he said, and if I aspired to either of those two theories, I wouldn't have a very good perspective about myself or any other human being for that matter. And when I realized that, I said, wow, <laughs> I am good. I have to, I must, I must, he said to us, you tell yourself, I insist that I am good. So I've been working on that since my 20s. And that's why I was able to laugh at my mistake the other day rather than beat myself up. So, you know, you, you whittle and whittle and whittle away at some of that stuff that you took on. Yeah. If you and get mindful enough that, to know it's there. <laughs> yeah. And the, the sooner you can develop that mindfulness, you know, the more productive your and the more enjoyable your life will be because a lot of people don't even consider the idea of, of death before they reach a certain age where it's becoming an impending um Terror. concern yeah absolutely and by that point it's too late and people usually go i mean i know a lady who um worked for the international association of near-death studies who i worked with i only met her once but she was terminally ill and she passed a couple of weeks ago but she was so accepting and so almost looking forward to yeah, it because she, she <laughs> yeah and it's nice that she was able to do that because so many people go at it with fear and uncertainty whereas because of her work with with the association she'd learned what was to come and went with complete acceptance and complete um i suppose an, a sense of adventure absolutely a sense of adventure they say it's the greatest adventure you'll ever have but when we live in fear and in denial we just you know deal with it you know, somebody will pass who's like 95 and everybody will be like, oh my God, I just saw him yesterday. Well, you know, how long does anyone going to stay in these bodies? You know, I don't know why anyone is ever so shocked, but it's the denial and most people find it easier, but I find it much easier knowing they say death at a distance is terrifying up close. The more you learn, the more you feel like, okay, I will be sustained. I will not lose my consciousness. I will find myself out of my body and go, oh, it happened. Whoa. <laughs> okay, what's next? And I'm I'm I want to stick around longer because I feel I still have good work to do. And I love my husband and my children that are on the earth. And I have three precious grandsons. 
plenty of reason to, to be here. But I, I'm looking forward in many levels when it is my time, because I know it's going to be beautiful and infinitely easier in many ways. But So I hope that I have given something to your listeners of value. And I think what you're doing is great. <laughs>